This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of dawn to the lands of always winter, what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Ken Napsock and happy to report that this week I am not alone. I mean, I'm never alone. I always have you, the wonderful listeners, but this week, definitely not alone because joining me, one of the core members of this team here at Casterly Talk, Andres Cabrera, ace is in the house. Hey, I am back, fresh back from Dorn. Yeah, you've been out. You've been in the yeah in Dorn in the I, southern I'm doing regions. The, the the real the season one, season two travel walk where it takes two months to <laughs> taking the real <laughs> to get to one place to another. Not season seven. And poof. Yeah, yeah. Not Davos and John suddenly in Dragonstone. Andres Cabrera is here. He and I are always going to be talking Game of Thrones uh, with Lon Harris and Rachel Cushing when we can. But here's the thing, man. Hey, said I just have. A, I think I, we have a special connection. It's that Dornish uh, wine. <laughs> Dornish, no, it's you're you're from Dorn and I'm from the Wall, and we just okay. meet meet in the wonderful yeah. middle here in Game of Thrones. Uh, you, look, man, I got to start this off. Last week, we launched our House of the Dragon preparation. We're getting ready for the House of the Dragon show, uh, all those good things. And uh, it, it, between this week's episode and last week's story comes out, uh, show's not going to come out till 2022. Ace, yeah. do you do you? And I hung my head in shame. I'm like, should I keep going with Casterly Talk? Wow. Because it's going to be two years. Yeah. Do I feel foolish? I'm not foolish, right? I'm gonna, we're going to keep talking. I, I think we can, man. I, I still think we can do, and this is, my, this is my idea that I've kind of been tossing to you. Yeah. But I still think we can do like a character profile. Yes. Every, like there's so many characters that we can do. Yes. Davos, we can do Littlefinger, we can do Brienne of Tarth. We a can lot do, of things. The lessons learned, great. the yeah. big things. I love this. I love it. Uh, thank you. Yeah. That's what I needed from you. That's the show, everybody. We'll see you next week. Ace <laughs> gave me confidence. No. Um, yeah, and, and and look, the book's probably going to come out at some point. I think between now and 2022, we'll yes. get that fifth, uh, sixth book. I agree. Whew. Fifth, six. I know. I was going to uh, say we still got another <laughs> still one. Still got another one. So, uh, man, uh, lots to talk about. But let's talk about the story. There's a couple things in the story here. I'm reading from Deadline. Uh, this is the straight to series prequel order, uh, House of the Dragon, and HBO president of programming Casey Bloys said during the uh, TCA's deadline that they expect a 2022 debut. Is exact quote. My guess is sometime in 2022. Uh, he says they're, they're starting writing. They have begun writing. Uh, it's the project of George R. R. Martin and Ryan Condal. So, hey, maybe we won't get that book because George is busy working with Condal and showrunner Miguel Sapochnik. So let's start there, Ace, and then we'll move into second half of the story, which touches upon the other pilot that didn't go. What do you think about this sometime in 2022 and that they're just starting? It's interesting, right? Because it, it shows you that they're taking their time to develop this. Yeah. Um, trying to get the story right and trying to get it. I, mm. I still believe in a very cinematic way. Cause I yep. feel like that's a big part of what made game of Thrones game of Thrones, the show mm. that it was at least. Yeah. 
Um, another thing to me is the fact that, and I know this might be me reading way too much into it and coming from a fan's point of view, Please read in. but this might be that kind of like secret sauce of time heals all Mm. from season eight (laughs) to the people who might still be a little upset at Mm -hmm. the way the show ended. This might be the perfect way to be like, you know what? Let's give it another year. Yeah. Let people soften up just a little bit enough to where they're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to tune into episode one of Fire and Blood or I'm going to, you know, get back into Game of Thrones kind of style. I am going to get behind you on that theory and say it was a very insightful point you just made there, my friend, because I'm chomping at the bit, right? You're chomping at the bit. You and I are generally pretty satisfied with season eight and most of the show at the end, right? Uh, we'll, we'll leave Baelish on the shelf for you. Uh, but... I'm ready, but most people aren't. And by the time this, let's just say, they say sometime in 2022, springtime would probably be the earliest. That's a Game of Thrones time. I talked about that last week's show that's kind of connected with Game of Thrones, even the last two seasons kind of changed that. That'd be almost three years. That's plenty of time for this to die down. Exactly. And I think that's a good idea. And, and I think we, mm. you know, talking about you and me specifically, sure. and this is why it's been good for me personally mm-hmm. to talk to other people and get to know other people that happen to like Game of Thrones or enjoy Game of Thrones or be fans of Game of Thrones right. that have straight up told me, no, I hated the last season. <laughs> that thing ruined the entire show for me. Ruined You're wrong. And this kind of idea of like actually being very angry and very yeah. upset. And I'm just trying to come from a point of view of like, I understand Right. Yeah, I get it, you know, and and realize that they might be in a kind of mood of like, ah, damn. I know this isn't Force Center, <laughs> no. but the whole Last Jedi yeah. solo thing where Last Jedi soon, and yeah. Solo was so close, the release, right? It was yep. from December to May. You're not wrong. To where the salty people from The Last Jedi yeah. were like, I'm so mad. I'm not going to watch the next Star Wars movie. And we all laughed. We're like, yes, you sure, are. Yes, you are. You totally yeah. are. And they didn't. <laughs> and they they didn't. didn't watch the next Star Wars movie. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right, man. Yeah. I think it's, it's a built-in time, uh, just uh, enough time where it's going to die down, uh, but also enough time where people will be like, oh, I'm ready for Dragons again. And you got shows. We talked a little bit about Witcher. I I, I have not gotten past the pilot of Witcher. You're into it. You're like, dude, it. I haven't checked out Witcher. I oh, yeah. I thought you had. My, this is my weekend plan. I'm checking okay. out Witcher because I, I started watching other shows on Netflix like right. Aaron Hernandez. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, some other documentaries that I was watching on Netflix mm-hmm. you know, and catching up with other movies Same. trying to make my top 10 list of you got the end of the year for my stuff. podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, but I'm going to watch Witcher. Witcher actually okay. seems like a show that I would like. So I was like, I don't know anything about the game or the books. But. I didn't either. Uh, I, I, I liked it, but I don't want anyone to think I didn't. I just, it didn't uh, grab me in a way because sure. I always say, I, I said last week, so it's a little bit of a repeat, but like I am a Game of Thrones fan, not necessarily a fantasy, fantasy. fan. Okay. So but you're a Lord of the Rings guy, aren't but you? Lord, and that's almost a coincidence. Okay. I'm telling you, it's weird. It's almost a coincidence because you it. could be like, but, but, but. I just I just don't go for it all the time. So and though I do like the movie Willow, so I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe we'll see. Uh, I, I'm not saying that, like I said. I, I I watched it and went okay. Grace and I might continue watching it, and then I'll, I'll maybe I'll change my tune. But I, I'm curious about your take because you're you're a, you're a real insightful fan. So you might connect to some of the bigger things. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay. I'm I'm super excited cool. to see it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, but that one, 2021, comes back season two. So there's going to be a lot of other focus. And Game of Thrones come back. Uh, do you think there's any chance people just it comes back and it lands with a thud? People are just like, ah, we did this. I, I think I think we're reaching a level. I, I just listened to a podcast from uh, um, The Ringer mm-hmm. where they spoke to Sam Esmeal yeah. and they made him the guy behind Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. Um, 
they made him rank his top 10 shows of the, of the decade. Um, top 10 shows of the, dec- of the decade. I did the top 10 movies of the decade. I haven't done a top 10 shows, but he's very interesting. The way he breaks it down from a executive producer, showrunner, show writer, yeah. show creator kind of attitude. And the way he broke it down kind of opened my eyes to how these studio heads and these executive producers mm. look at TV shows now. Mm. And he was talking about shows like Euphoria, Succession, yeah. Atlanta, uh, Game of Thrones. But but what made these shows great is what he was saying was the cinematic nature mm-hmm. of television, which essentially was saying, I can see this in a movie theater. Yeah. And he said, nothing can take that away from what television is doing now. Mm. So no matter how let's say average this show might be because it might right. be average. I just think seeing dragons yeah. burn down cities <laughs> will never get old. I just feel like that cinematic nature of like, Oh my God, this is incredible, which is yeah. why the episode where, where Danny goes hard. Yeah. I believe that's the episode bells. six. The, yeah. That's what it's called. The bells. I like Danny goes hard. Uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a better title for me. Uh, I think that episode's amazing. I do too. Man. I really do feel I like do that's like the, Like, how would it feel like to be in this world? And it puts you in that situation of like a a disaster that's happening, something horrific, but it makes you feel like, yeah, that's a dragon coming after me. Like, what am I going to (laughs) do? And I feel like that's what we're going to get for eight episodes or however many episodes there's going to be in the season. It's just dragons going hard. Uh, And I feel like most you coming up with titles that need to happen. (laughs) This HBO, are you listening? We've changed the show to dragons going hard. Well, to be, to be fair, Ken, I'm coming from a place after 2019. Yeah. And this is me talking to, to my co-host RB3 on my podcast, the meaning of um, talking about our shows of the year. And, And the more I realized it, the more it hit me. I think almost all of my shows of the year came from HBO. I think HBO is reaching a level that that is just it's Still getting enough. higher and like I'm telling you, man, Barry, succession. Yeah, yeah. He told me about ballers. Watchmen just reached like Right, yeah, Watchmen. Watchmen just blew my mind. And that's like one and done now, and it's yeah. gonna live it's gonna live untouched, unspoiled forever. And that to me is it, it's uh, it, yeah. it just blows my mind. Cause I listen to a lot of the Lindelof uh, yeah, yeah. podcasts as well, because he did okay. a few. He did one with Craig Mason, the Watchmen podcast, and he talked about how he just really didn't want to do a season two. Like he's yeah. just like, I just don't want to do a season two. This is one it's story. Great. But what HBO has done is essentially created, whether it's a comedy show like Barry right. or, or a, 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 a dramedy like succession, succession right? Yeah. Um, or a, a, a superhero show like Watchmen. And they've made it, I think the best comedy show I've seen in a while, Barry, yeah, Barry. the best like dramedy media show I've seen in a while, succession. And then the best superhero show I've ever seen, which is Watchmen. Watchmen. And that's what HBO is slowly doing is that they're creating shows and content that are now reaching this kind of bigger scale than even most movies. And Euphoria mm-hmm. is another one, too. Euphoria is one I, I was late to. Yeah. Uh, and that most people saw. That was a tough one. We talked. About yeah, Euphoria. we talked about it. it didn't make, you, that was a tough one for me to watch. <laughs> and that's why, but and here's the thing. Like, HBO's got this longstanding tradition. And again, they've had their swings and misses. Uh, was it John from Cincinnati comes to mind? There's definitely some swings and misses. But there is a such a high standard there that they um, – when they get behind something, I immediately trust it. I, I think you do. And that's why I do kind of, I'm right now trusting the decision to go forth with House of the Dragon and cut the other one. Uh, I'm disappointed that we didn't get the other one. I want to know the other one. And I just got to say, I just, I'm, I'm like, whether you can be cynical and say it was just the dragons going hard, <laughs> which is a t-shirt I want. I now want dragons going hard. Uh, but the, 
uh, what you're talking about. What can we put on this screen that is giant and big and epic and sweeping? And it's this crazy house of Targaryens that's going to pull people in. I trust the decision. Yeah. Yeah. And if anything, I still feel like there'll be a connection to the houses that we know, at least. They're going to have to be. We won't see our favorite characters, but we will see a connection towards those characters, which I feel like... Right. People still cater towards, you know, people will say, oh, look, that's a Lannister. Oh, look, that's, that's a Stark. Yeah. Like there's still be that moment yeah. uh, inside the show that I think I personally will be excited, excited about. Excited for. Uh, Chris says, uh, the, 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 uh, excuse me, Casey, Chris, where did I get that name? Casey Blows, Blouse said, can't get the name right. He wanted to say this about the situation with the two uh, competing pilots. Uh, we didn't know they were competing, but. Uh, this uh, this is the case. He says the others are on hold, which could be indefinite or temporary. So who knows? For me right now, he says, I think getting House of the Dragon on the air will be the number one priority. There are no other blinking green lights or anything like that. Sometime down the road, who knows? There are no immediate plans. We are all focusing on House of the Dragon. He goes to talk about the Jane Goldman pilot that was going to start Naomi Watts that did not get picked up. This is in development, in pilots, sometimes things come together, sometimes they don't. One of the things I think Jane took on beautifully, which was a challenge, there was a lot more world creation because she had set hers 8,000 years before the show, the mothership as they call it, so it required a lot more. This is a big swing. One of the things about House of the Dragons, there is a text, there is a book, and actually going to be another book. So that made it a little bit more of a roadmap for a series order. So I'm reading all this. She, he goes on to say this. I think Jane did a beautiful job. It's a big challenge, but there was nothing that I would point to and say, oh, that one element did not work. Just overall did not quite gel. That's one of the reasons when we started out to think, uh, is there life after Game of Thrones in terms of Game of Thrones? We purposefully developed multiple projects. We would have been very lucky, lucky to do one pilot, have that pilot go and be a success. But in development, as you know, it takes a lot of tries to get it right. This is no different. And there you have it. I... Again, you can easily be cynical and say why it didn't work, all those kind of things. I understand that, that aspect of it. But what do you, what, what, those words, that's a lot of, it's a word dump, Ace. Where are you at with that? This is me kind of reading between the lines. And again, this is coming from a fan's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But I, I really well. do feel like that entire paragraph to me was just saying, this is 8,000 years before the show. Yeah. We don't have a lot of people who have a connection towards that. Yeah. We wanted to take something that's a little bit closer to what we know. There's a book already attached to it with the author that we already consider to be a genius Mm -hmm. who created the text for what D&D created in the first show. And to jump in. When that show didn't have his text, there comes in some criticism, whether or not we agree with that or not. And even you can, yes, there was the HBO's now going, this is complete. The story's complete. Exactly. And, and from that, they say, I feel like when you sit down at a table in these meetings, Mm -hmm. when you're with studio heads and producers, you say, first of all, you have to break it down on a, on a conceptual level. What is the purpose of a prequel? Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of a sequel show? Right. Not a, not a movie. This is a show. You know, we've seen a lot of prequel shows, a lot of sequel shows, a lot of spinoff shows in the past, some to not so great success. The biggest thing that most people point to is a connection to the initial show that people loved. Right. Right. Um, So that's what most people cater towards. I know this is a horrible example. Nope. You're doing great. But 
Vampire Diaries. <laughs> Bear me. with me. Hit me. Uh, the Originals was the spinoff show to the Vampire Diaries, mm-hmm. which is a, they were taking the spinoff characters, uh, and I did not care for Vampire Diaries. I'm okay. the biggest vampire nerd there is. I, I did a whole episode on yeah. Joseph Scrimshaw's Obsessed podcast about vampires and my yeah. connection towards them. So I cater towards anything. If you say vampires is in the show, I'm going to watch it, even yep. though it's like cheesy and bad. Um, and I didn't like Vampire Diaries, but the originals took the whole, took the old school approach of what if a vampire is like literally sitting on a throne and mm. sucking people's blood in very old school way Sexy. Yeah. Um, versus the whole like a, a teenage girl is in love with that. Like I was like, I don't care for that, yeah. um, but it did it right. But it did it towards a connection towards characters that we knew and the potential they had. Mm. Mm. When you take a show like Game of Thrones, how do I take these elements towards people Again, we talked about it last episode, but people who watch the show and are not hardcore fans, they're yeah. just like, I enjoy it. There's dragons and stuff. Don't know what's going on if they see 8,000 years before the show mm. versus a name like a Lannister, a name like a Stark, a name like a Targaryen might get them a little bit more excited. And I yeah. feel like this is something on a conceptual level where they say, how do people connect to this show? Yeah, And, and it might... I kind of broke it down as just like I said, dragons going hard, and I don't know. If we keep saying that, but because it's it's, great. it's more <laughs> like I know who these people are connected to. Right. I know exactly when this takes place versus Age of Heroes. Mm-hmm. What does that even mean to most people? Right. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what they were trying to say in this paragraph, and what Casey was trying to get at was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. It's not one thing that didn't work, but overall, mm-hmm. eight thousand years is just too much it's almost great great stuff as always ace but this is why you're here man but you are an insightful maester uh, of our uh, citadel here uh here's listening to talk i think you're hitting a lot of points i I love here this is potentially the jane goldman series and again we don't know the details we didn't see it we don't have the script it just it could have very well uh have been a concept album from that band that you want the hit singles and game of thrones is deep and means a lot but it it it, it, it's a big single it's a rock concert and here comes along this pilot that's like there's might not even be castles there might not even all the houses that you know some of it might be magic some of it might and and, you know people like us are going to want that answer of how the wall was built Uh, how did uh, duran's god's grief uh, you know how did that really happen but where are the dragons? People are going to be asking, where are the dragons? And you'd almost have to fake it. You'd almost have to, I say fake it as if the history of Westeros is real. But you know what I mean? Like you almost have to be like, all right, let's make a new history for the Targaryens. And I think that's a hard sell. It is. It in, is. In the end. It is. It is a hard sell mainly because of the budget. Yeah. If this was a small budget show, I think they might do both. You know, yeah. but, but this is a heavy... I mean, it's the biggest budget show of all time, right? Yeah. I mean, this has yeah. the biggest Absolutely. budget of any show ever created. Definitely. So, so Definitely. It, when you're taking that much of a risk, as much as HBO invests in their show, this is their biggest investment. Yeah. I think it's tough if I'm a executive producer or a studio head to say, yes, let's green light this show versus mm-hmm. a show that you feel will have more success based on stats you have as far as why people tuned in how long they tuned in which episodes resonated the most with people and most of the time it is these kinds of episodes the ones that i said were directed by miguel 
Yeah. Those are uh, the episodes that people were like, at least me. I mean, I, I resonate with both. We talked about yeah, it yeah, before. We, you did. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like most people are like, oh my God, I'm watching this in my living room with my mom. <laughs> this yeah, is insane. No, I mean, the long night that I, I mean, I still talk I about still it. I still think that thing is perfect. Till, still, till <laughs> I'm still, I'm watching Dothraki, Jorah, yeah. a, a, a wolf and flaming uh, trebuchet rocks going over. Yeah. And I'm thinking, flying around. I oh. can't believe I'm seeing this on a TV screen. And yeah, I have a bigger TV screen than I had as a kid and technology has sure. gotten better and it looks great. But like, unless you had the, the dark setting, apparently mm-hmm. that you couldn't see the battle. But I, I just remember in the as I'm watching it for the first time, going, "This is un- this is unbelievable, mm-hmm. unbelievable." And that doesn't. I, and there's and the thing to me is there's story behind it. It's not just razzle dazzle. It's some meat there, and and, and you know I think that's gonna. We'll see if that changes if people's perception of those battles in those final episodes to change over over. I mean, time, time, like decades. We'll see. We'll see. But, uh, and, and again, Miguel said Pachnik being involved with, and this is, I don't know Jane Goldman too much outside of this. I know, I know her resume, but Sapochnik, I got to see work in this world. And this guy is a home run after home run. Yes. Every episode he's done and, has and been the best episode. You know, yeah. You know, this episode, you know, this show isn't going to be big battle, big battle, big battle. So, and, but that's the thing. That's what I mean. He's got this big razzle dazzle, but beneath it, is is so much wonderful stuff there yes. uh hard home and 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 everyone focuses on the battle at hard home but that episode had some great character work in the beginning so he knows so, some of that. the best of john i feel yeah i i think every episode he's done has been the best of john snow um just t- taking on leadership taking yeah. on challenges You're whether right. it's a physical challenge or an emotional challenge or yeah yeah i, I think he directed some of kit's best work um and and, and, and kit's a Good actor. He is. He's a he's good a actor. Double nominee, Emmy yeah. nominee, two time Emmy nominee. Two time, yeah. Uh, he's a good actor, but but I think Sapochnik even brought more out of Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Yeah. That's key. Final point in this segment, we'll take a break, come back. We do have a, a call to get to. Uh, we've got to uh, we'll talk to you about some deleted scenes, special edition stuff you might want to put in. We talked about that last week, and we're going to follow up with that. Uh, uh, another thing we talked about last week. Uh, this is by myself, so I'm going to get your. I'm going to bounce it off off you. Dinklage's quotes about, hey, maybe you shouldn't name your dog Khaleesi or get a tattoo of a character in the third season because this was a plan all along. This is what was going on. Sorry, sorry, but that's just just what it was. As someone, and, and and we don't, you know, we don't take this all so seriously. But as someone, you were on the Daddy's going to burn it all down train. Very early, very early, before probably <laughs> even knew you. Yeah, you were on this. And this is credit to my friend. I would think it was like season four, or yeah. five, when my friend was like, "Dude, I'm telling you, Danny's going to go bad." And I'm like, "Maybe you're right." And he started to convince me about yeah. it. But yeah, this was like season four or five, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah Danny's going bad." So when you hear Dinkler say something like this, it it is to me it is a let let this art affect you and let this art take you on the journey it needs to go, mm. not just. I love this character in this moment and this character can never change. Yeah. But then again, it's tough, man. The way we look at villains has always been a fascinating thing to me. Mm. Uh, someone on Twitter, like a couple months ago said, who is the most iconic villain of all time? Mm. And it, and people's responses were Vader, Vader, yeah. Vader. But if you think about it, Vader turned. Yeah. But what did Vader do? That was, I mean, obviously Vader did a lot. That was pure evil. But I'm saying, like, the way we look at Vader isn't like, oh, I hate this guy. It's, yeah, it's Darth Vader. We get tattoos of him. We get, you know what I'm saying? Like, people dress up as cosplay as Vader. Like, this isn't, I mean, people call their dogs Vader. Like, my friend's cat is named Vader. (laughs) Like, this is the kind of stuff that 
it's a, is this villainy? It's a weird. It's also a weird window up to society. Yeah, and that's. I, I'm not talking Return of the Jedi Vader, New Hope Vader, Empire Vader. Sure, even but even by Empire, you can tell there's something going on. That's but what New, I'm saying. New Hope Vader. He okay. is the symbol of evil in the galaxy, unchanged. Yes. And he became popular because of that. And it's a mirror up to us. What are we looking for in our heroes? <laughs> like, yeah. what are we? What are we putting on a it's pedestal? It's fascinating because then that's where someone yeah. like Danny comes in. Yeah, where it's like, I, I don't know. How do you? How do you talk? How do you talk about a character like her who's yeah. clearly went bad? How do we talk about a character like Walter White, for example? Yeah. Well, there you who, go. Who who had who a broke bad? Who was clearly like a bad guy, but then yeah. again, at the end, he kills a bunch of Nazis and right. saves the day. So it's kind of like, you're like, yeah, go Walter White. Go. So it's like, well, in, D- in Dinklage's quote, he talked about Danny is also a victim of what's going on. Sure. Which to me is what I still focus on going back to episode one of the show. She's a victim. She's sold essentially into a, a, into a forced marriage, um, sexually assaulted by his husband in, in the show, a little different in the book from episode one. She's a victim, and that is kind of a statement on this is what happens unless you start treating people, particularly females, better in this society. You know what I mean? Like, mm. so I think Dinklage has said some truth there too. Of like, yeah, no, 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 she went crazy, she went bad, but wouldn't you too? <laughs> wouldn't yeah. you want to? Yeah. And I think that's part of the statement that was trying to be made. I think it's also the way we view power. I mean, mm. the whole show is about power, right? Power it's, is power. Yeah, and it's that idea of whether it's Tywin, whether it's Cersei, um, whether it's anyone else on the show, we noticed how power mm. corrupted certain characters, Yeah, how leadership roles were thrown onto characters and the way they handle it. I'm mm. mainly talking about John in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even Rob for, for, for another Excellent example. example. Um, and then versus... Danny, yeah. who literally has unlimited power with yeah. dragons, right? So the way my friend and I broke it down, who's a, a script writer as well, so he's a very smart guy. We 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 always I, I told you about this when we mm. started Casterly Talk, but my friends at work when we did our Game of Thrones circle, yeah. I, I told you about Good this, guy. yeah, and and we would talk about this, and we would talk about all, literally had Casterly Talk inside my office at work. That's what we do uh, around my desk, and I would gather them around. Yeah, and we talked about Danny, and we, he w- would always argue with me, and and we were kind of joining the whole anti-Danny squad, yeah. Because he kept saying like, like everything she does is just like I'm gonna burn you, I'm gonna blow you up, yeah, yeah. F you, I have dragons, F you, I have dragons, I have dragons, I have, dra-. and it's like she has a Death Star in a medieval time. How are you not gonna go bad? Like, how are you yeah. not turning evil when you have that much absolute power? power. Absolute power. Where mm-hmm. like nothing they can throw at you can stop you when you say, you know what? I have a dragon. It's, I can kill anyone I want. When she goes into, uh, what is it? Uh, Yunkai? Mm. The second city, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, I need to start my rewatch soon. Because uh, she settles in Marine. But in Yunkai is where she has that face-to-face meeting. Mm-hmm. And the guy treats her bad. The guy's condescending. But also, and, and so it's weird because now it, it sounds like I'm defending slavery. I'm not. He's there like, no, we're the masters. You're not going to take our land from it. And you, she's doing exactly what you say. But it's easy to be she's doing it for the right cause, freeing the people, uh, as you should. And it's, you should use the power. But even in that scene, you start to see there's, a, there's a, my favorite word. People know I love this word. This hubris is growing in her. Uh, that that is it's stunning to go back and watch in season three, like it's there. But we're rooting for her because she just got her army. Uh, what she did uh, in Astapor is amazing. Like we're rooting for her, but but you're, if you slow down and watch it, 
you're seeing something happen because she's got this power now and this absolute power. And I, and I'm not rooting against her or for her. I just think it's an interesting case study. Yeah. It's, it's always going to be a fascinating conversation to say the least. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of that Mm -hmm. negative effect is going to be on, uh, D and D versus someone like George who honestly had that idea first and probably has it written down somewhere. And we're always blaming and everyone's like, George is going to fix this. And I'm like, no, this comes straight from George. And I've been saying that forever, but this is coming straight from him. But then again, it's still coming from a male perspective. I guess that's what I was trying to get at. A lot of people are saying, yes, but a man wrote this. Yes. Two men wrote this, whether it's D and D or whether it's George. Right. This is the idea of breaking bad female version. Right. And it doesn't work because it's written by a man. Yeah, and that, hey, that may very and that well might be. be fair. Might, that be might be fair. fair I'm, yeah, I'm not going to fight know. back against that. I think George does a great job of in his, uh, particularly in his books. And you, again, you remember, you're spending more time with the books, uh, and more time with the characters of of making those kind of statements. Um, but he makes some weird choices too. Can I, can I just? Books. I know, and I, yeah. this is me. Take again. This is as if I had my own podcast. Uh, who are some of your female favorite female characters? Like from from start to finish, who you uh, feel it had the perfect arc as a, far as Game of Thrones show? Oh, um, is it someone like Brienne of Tarth? Brienne of Tarth, okay. Melisandre. Melisandre's an interesting character. Uh, okay. She's a haunted character, quite literally. Sure. And I think her ending, and you know, yeah, as, I'm, as, I'm, that's kind of what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, like you feel like the ending was like, yeah, it, it was that's so the beautiful, and and it was so beautiful and haunting and perfect yeah. and full circle. And I wish we had even a little bit more time with. Melisandre and Chris Van Houten. I know she also, I think, got pregnant during some of it. And she probably had to take, I don't, I don't know the schedule. I don't want to assume, but I, you know, I don't want to assume she had to miss time, but uh, you know, that was part of, that was part of what was going on. Uh, obviously, um, uh, uh, Lena Yeeti was uh, pregnant at one point, I think during season five again. Right. So, um, that shouldn't, uh, shouldn't take the character out, but, um, I wish we spent more time with her in season sure. six and seven and, and eight, but we didn't. And I just, when she comes back and serves this great purpose and inspires Arya, it all kind of worked for me. Uh, and, and she doesn't get fully redeemed in my brain. She pays the price for some of the stuff and it weighed heavy on her. And she finally is relieved and released from her pain and her mistakes, uh, including burning Shireen and all the stuff. And, and her Stannis's blood is on her hands too. So it's, it's, it's a complicated but beautiful haunting ending to me. Mm. Brienne of Tarths is great, and, and, and yeah, would have loved more time in season eight and season seven. Yeah, but uh, they cha- they had to change a lot of the direction of the story compared to the book. So they they you know I think Brienne kind of, um, and that's okay. By the way, you know she's not she doesn't fight the Hound in the book. So they gave her this great moment, and they built on as best they could. But I think it ends pretty well, and too, and 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 the pain she feels uh, should hurt you should hurt you as a fan, but she overcomes that. So I think that one too. Uh, Cersei, I mean, it just sounds like I'm going to run down the list of female characters on Game of Thrones. But I I think Cersei becomes immediately the most compelling character on that show very early on. Tyrion is amazing. Jon Snow is amazing. Danny, I'm in her corner. You know, I love Jorah, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. But Cersei is the one that each episode is the most compelling because there's justifiable rage there. And she's so fun to watch as a performer. So, I love her ending because there wasn't a redemption. She chopped off Masende's head and she watches her world that she wanted. All she wanted was control that world. And at the end of the day, all she really wanted was to be with Jamie and the world she tried to take 
collapses on her. It's, it's, I love that. You know, what's funny. Uh, and I, this yeah. will be my last thought is, is the idea Ever? of, I'm going to uh, need more from you. No, I know. But like, you know, we should go to break. <laughs> um, it's the idea of like everything you said, mm. I've read so many articles, so many, I've, mm. I've seen so many videos, so many video essays yeah. coming from a female perspective and every single one of those characters you named, mm. they kind of hated their endings. Right. I mean, mm. not, not saying that all women hated this character, sure, 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 yeah. but characters like Cersei, Danny, right, right. Sansa, Brienne, uh, all these uh, Arya, oh, yeah. maybe, but but it, it comes from this perspective of like they hated that Brienne became a sobbing mess. They hated that Sansa used rape as like a, a motivational factor. They hated that mm-hmm. uh, Danny just flipped a switch right, at right. the whim. They hated that Cersei cut Missandei's head off and then died right. crying uh, right. by rocks hitting her head. Like all this stuff that people, yeah. And then when you kind of break it down, it's almost like the more screen time each character got, the more criticisms there were, which comes with characters, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. part of the effect you have. But the fact that they're all female characters. Right. Um, I don't know. I just feel like let's put more female writers in the writer's room. Oh, I think that's... <laughs> I think that's the biggest takeaway I'm trying needed. to get at. Because yeah. as much as I can say and you can say these are badass women, yeah. because I do feel like... I liked Sansa's ending. I thought it was awesome. Right. Uh, most people didn't. A lot of people didn't. Right. And and there's other characters that I, I felt like Dan and Dave were trying to use moments and mm. undercut other moments by taking female characters down a peg and bringing others up. Right. And I felt like they could have done both. And sure. they could have done both a little bit more naturally by bringing both female characters up and not just saying like, we have to tear one down to bring another one up. Right. Um, which is my season seven criticism more than anything uh, more fo- than season eight. More focused a lot around the Sansa Arya stuff. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the Sansa versus Arya. I hate you and I hate right, you. Right, and right. it's like this ruse used. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is bad. Like it's right. really bad. And they, and they took a justifiably a lot of hits for that. Yeah. yeah. Cause it was and four episodes kind of long. That's the thing that I, I I'm done, but four <laughs> episodes of Sansa and Arya, arguing in front of no one but the camera just for little it was just weird i I don't know to me that was like an unnecessary like but at the end it's female empowerment and i'm like is it though like i don't know the way the bad the path to get there correct yeah yeah. so it's just an interesting at what point were they faking it correct that's my thing to the to the camera in the exactly which i was like there's no one here dude i got you (laughs) i I guess we're supposed to assume that little finger spies are there but I look, I absolutely hope House of the Dragon corrects mm. uh, that, that problem. And uh, I, we haven't heard any news on the writer's room, no casting, none of that stuff. But you, uh, yeah, you would hope that be the case. Mm-hmm. And Dan and Dave have nothing to do with this series, but Miguel Sapochnik does. Mm-hmm. What does he carry over? What does he want to do? Show running with Condal. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope for that, too. Mm-hmm. I hope for that, too. Uh, it would just... Uh, not just make a more robust room, but as a writer's room, but it would, it would give weight to some of these characters because a lot of the main characters in fire and blood are these Targaryen Queens and they have to be handled. Well, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Well, we'll find out in 2022, but we are going to get ready for house of the dragon. Don't you worry. We're not done. Ace has given me the confidence to keep, the House of the Dragon hype train going, as well as character profiles. We're going to take a quick break on the other side. Got a call and talk to Ace about deleted scenes, special edition type of uh, what ifs for the show. It's Casterly Talk and Epsoc. Andres Cabrera will be back after this. Mm-hmm. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back here on Casterly Talk. I'm Ken Emsock, along with Andres Cabrera. What a fun for his sake. This is why this is why we bring him here whenever it's possible. He's been traveling around the great state of Arizona a lot recently, and you got your Phoenix Sun hat on. Good, good to have you here. Thank you. With your sand dripping off of you from Arizona. Absolutely. Coming you were from the Dornish Desert. You were in the southern part. I was in Arizona over the holidays, but I was up towards like the wall version, ah. up towards uh, Prescott yeah. and uh, uh, the Flagstaff area. So uh, we are, let me get this call up. Now, last week, last week, Alden Diaz called in with a great what if GOT special editions, and I talked about. What it would have if you could re-release the show with George Lucas's special editions in mind. This could be sort of fantasy stuff, things that didn't exist, weren't shot necessarily, but could have been easily put into the show. Battle of, of the Whispering Wood is one of my answers. I don't say you know I'm not counting Lady Stoneheart in this or something that that is so big would change the shape of the show. Little things like that, or it's just uh, some deleted scenes that I know exist and would like to be put back in there. So we got a follow-up to that from our good friend Eric Monroe, and then, Andres, I want to hear what you have in mind for a GOT special edition. Hey, Ken and Casterly Talk. So I really love the question that Alton uh, posed about uh, special editions and what we would want to see. And for me, the first thing that actually came to mind was Stannis Baratheon's original death scene. Now, back when this was Daily Thrones, I remember me and you talked about it when it came out. And we, you know, we both kind of agreed that the way it was was more fitting. But... Sometimes every now and then I think about it, you know, maybe, just maybe, given what Stannis had gone through in such a short amount of time with the sacrifice of Shireen, Melisandre abandoning him, and his army just being completely decimated, just maybe he would have opened up to Brienne and talked about, you know, his regrets about Renly and Shireen. And I'm not sure if that scene was ever actually filmed or not, but there is a part of me that would like to see it and to see how it would play out that way. What do you think, Ken? Well, Eric, I'll tell you, if you give me more Stephen Delane and Stannis Baratheon, I'm on board there. I like, in the end, the choice to kill Stannis off camera. It is still kind of a weird choice in a way, considering how graphic the show will be. But in a, it's both slightly respect for the character, but that's me as a character, as a person who loves that character, but also... What the character deserved, he didn't deserve this big grand death. It is his final line, go on, do your duty. It's it's great to me in that regard. But as a Stannis fan, as Eric Monroe is, one big final moment and a little bit of contrition, a little bit of I'm sorry for what I did, even though I don't think, though, that's consistent with Stannis. I think he would have been like, this is what I did. It cost me. This is where I'm at. Do your duty. Take me out. So I agree there. 
but I don't know if, uh, uh, I, I, yeah, I, mean, I agree with Eric, but I, 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 we got what we got for a reason. Yeah. I, I don't see Stan as being like, Hey, by the way, sorry about Renly. You know, he was a good this. kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still think he would have said what he said. And he yeah. would have, even if Brienne would have asked him, mm. I still think he would have been like, just do your duty. Just do like, I don't think he would he have answered. He wouldn't have cared. Not, not that he wouldn't have cared. I think he cares enough when he talks about it early on. He just wouldn't open up about yeah. it. Yeah. I think what can't, well, he's in one of the war camps when he's like, I weep for the boy. He was not the man that he became. Yeah. Um, paraphrasing probably, or that might've been the first time ever I get a quote, right? Uh, but yeah, yeah. I think you're, I think you're right. I think Bran would have been like, Hey, you feel bad, but Redley just kill me. Exactly. Just, I don't think it would even shut even up answer. and kill me. Yeah, I think it would have been like, I said, do your duty or something like that. <laughs> do you not want to do your duty <laughs> before I die? Yeah. But but what this poses for me is the is mm-hmm. the conversation around that yeah. weeks after the episode being like, is Stannis dead? Is Stannis right. dead? Yeah. Is, how many articles were written just being like, is Stannis I, still alive? I was on, uh, I think, uh, going into season six, uh, that's when I was reviewing the show for Screen Junkies. And going into it, I was driving my co-host crazy going, he's still alive. He's still alive. Yeah, he's not alive. Yeah. I mean, how many people you're, you're not, you know, you're one of many who said, well, if they don't show the death, if they don't show the this, body, he's not dead. We were or looking at the hound. Not be dead. Yeah. We were looking at the hound because mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the things we got. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and remember we were doing the freeze frame. Uh, brands, uh, swing of the sword looked a little weird, yeah. all these kind of things. Yeah. I love doing that and I do it all again, but even sometimes, you know, even in the star Wars world, you look back and you're like, wow, we really were freeze framing for that yeah, stuff. I, I still kind of mm-hmm. part of me just mainly even for that reason, I would yeah. have loved to have not loved, but I would have been, I think it would have been better if we've seen him just get stabbed and die. Sure. I think part of it is, like you said, respect towards the character because mm. it's Stannis. Possibly, it's but it's, not... it'd be the only character that gets that kind of respect. Yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, can I just say this, Ken? And I know yeah. this might be me reaching, Yeah, but I think it's also kind of this weird uh, respect towards Brienne where it's like Brienne yeah, no, wouldn't right. get her hands that dirty. We don't want to see her get her hands that dirty. dirty because we do see her kill plenty of people and the hound look and the hound and everything she gets dirty you know but no i had that i had that thought too of like maybe it's just kind of like for the sake of renly or something like it just like this is almost dare i dare i say go down this road with me it was a private moment for brienne the character that we didn't yeah. that we weren't privy to exactly it was that, it was revenge for renly it, it, that's exactly how i feel and i feel like maybe they wanted to save the audience from yeah feeling some type of way towards stannis and brienne mm. and they're just like you know what we insinuate it it's, he's dead that's good enough for us i'll tell you what and eric you've you've got this uh, thought starter going here man i i still i don't know if there's an answer out there maybe someone can research that if there's an interview a behind the scenes clip uh, maybe i just watch that episode and see if there's a inside the episode on hbo i don't recall this as i speak now I, I would love to, it's, it's one of the weirdest decisions they made. I mean, that in a very nice way, like a, wow, that's, that's just an odd, wonderful little choice they made as editors, producers, directors, whatever, or even writers to not show Stannis die. I want to know. I want to know the answer. Sometimes I just love speculating. Other times I do want to know what was in their mind. Yeah. I'll have to seek that out. I don't know if it exists. We'll figure it out. All right. So Andres, you're on the spot. Special editions, things you want to see, things that weren't in the show, that, and, you know, we'll play around. And there are no wrong answers here. Yeah, I was going to say, can I cheat? And can I hear, you said Whispering Wood. What was another idea of yours besides Whispering Wood? Because that's perfect. You're going to make me I don't remember, think I could huh? be that answer. 
There was a great scene. There was a scene with Tormund and Alistair Thorne that was some great because it just gave me more Tormund. And I love Alistair Thorne. I mean, he's, you know, a character that gets what gets. Well, he's a character that gets what's coming to him, but I like his. I love his ending when John hangs him. He's like, I fought, I lost. I do it again. Kill me. Uh, I think that's great. There's a moment between them where Tormund's in chains and basically just saying, you don't really run the place anymore, kind of fueling some of the fire in Alistair Thorne's uh, mind. Uh, so I like some of that there, too. I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember my answers now can as I, I can. Can yeah. I say, and maybe this is me because I'm still thinking about one mm-hmm. of the most controversial decisions from book to to show, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not the most controversial, but for, for fans of this character, Barristan yeah. Selmy. Barristan, yeah, hit K- me. Killing off Barristan Selmy in that kind of weird uh, gang battle, street war. Yeah, uh, Marine, yeah. In, in Marine, I, I still feel like it would have been interesting if we would have seen one or two more moments of the legendary Barristan Selmy. And, and I know I go straight to action, which is kind of funny, or, or, sure. or some sort of fight or martial arts scene. But sure. what if we saw... What if we saw the moment in the books where he fights like the top, what mm-hmm. is it, the Marinese warrior, and he yeah, like yeah. sneaks into to w- w- to arrest someone, right? It was yeah. Too- well, uh, he's got a lot more going on in the books. He's still alive in the books. Yeah. Well past this point in the story. It, but what is that? Remind me of that story. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Where man. he sneaks into. It's like book five. Yeah. I think it's to get Homeboy. Um, mm-hmm. what, what's his, his name? star? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he, he goes sne- in. Yeah. And he, and he sneaks in to beat his like number one top fighter. Yeah. I think that I don't know some sort of cool action scene to kind of redeem his his gang battle death that he got at the end that a lot of people felt were was kind of unfair towards the greatest swordsman in the show, Barristan Selmy, even though he was past his prime. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. That's always I I I am a huge fan of of those old grumpy guys. So I love Barristan Selmy. Love him in the books, obviously. Tell uh, the story goes a little bit different, uh, but. And when that happens, it's just so realistic to me. I'm like, this. Yeah. not every swordsman's going to go out on a shield. That, well, he went out on a shield, but go out with some pomp and circumstances. And it was brutal and it was horrible and you're, and you're pained. But, I, yeah, you know, give me more Barristan. Like, I'm, I'm happy with that answer. And he was such a key death. Of all the deaths that happened in Danny's team and all the departures and all the problems, and even Jorah and the problems he caused for her, and I think Barristan might have been the one that would have talked some sense in her. hundred Hundred percent. I think that might have. I mean, no, that's probably obviously yeah. the reason they killed him. Yeah, off. clearly one of the one of the signposts along the way. But just because they didn't yeah. want him to be like yeah. Danny wouldn't have done the things she did if Barrison was still around. He probably. Yeah, because because she learned she, when she went against him. You know, she took and Jorah's advice was good. But and and Jorah and and Barristan kind of the not even good angel, bad angel, but just two different angels on her on her shoulder were some interesting scenes. I Absolutely. love that. Rhaegar fought honorable. Rhaegar died. Um, That's my thing. I think yeah. he would have reminded her so much more. Yeah. Like Rhaegar, 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 Rhaegar. And she well, would have been like, oh, that's right. Rhaegar. As, as, yeah. People allowed her to go down the path of, of Mad King. Yeah. Rhaegar would not have been on that path. And Barristan would have reminded her constantly. And 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 when we talked about it on Casterly Talk, mm-hmm. so much of Danny at the end reminded me of her other brother. Yeah. Uh, Viserys. Viserys. So the uh, the idea of him reminding mm-hmm. her of like, well, what about Rhaegar? Like, you're yeah. not supposed to be like you your other it. brother. You can be like the brother that was actually kind of yeah. cool and wanted loved to be and beloved and misunderstood yeah. but beloved. One other deleted scene I do remember now. I there was this scene uh, that is uh, at the end of season two between Varys and Littlefinger post battle of Blackwater Bay. They're talking and Bar- uh, Bay Bay Baelish is Harrod Hall and it's Varys just kind of like you know that 
place is kind of cursed and Baelish doesn't really listen, kind of talks about my friends are better than your friends, and it's a great scene. Just because, again, them two together, especially season two, season one and season two. Oh, Baelish, Littlefinger uh, little and Varys, Littlefinger and Spider, Baelish and Varys. Give I'm still me. bummed about that. <laughs> I know, yeah. Especially when it comes to Varys and Littlefinger. So what else, anything else that you want to include in special editions? Uh, no, I mean, anything else I would want to include would probably be changes and bigger I bigger changes yeah, yeah. yeah especially yeah when not it comes the spirit of the qu- yeah not the spirit of the question but but yeah a lot of stuff in door look Arian martel i you know if they've got one more season to play with i understand if you're looking at dorn and the dornish plot where you're like wow this is bigger do we need this does this factor into our end game it does factor into george's but it's done so not well it's no. it's one of my bigger problems in a show that i love um, give me, I, I, I just think the audience could have been, it's, it's not season one, season five, season one. Remember the complaint was, I can't keep up. Who are these characters? All these names. And I get it. And it was the joke at the time. And you could make those jokes by season five. If you're in the show throwing in, you got Dorn, you got the sand snakes, you got Prince Duran. Also, you got Tristan. And also here's Arian Martell and sorry, you know, Sir Oakheart, whatever, you know, uh, um, uh, put the put that in there, and I'm okay with it. The more I think about it, the more I realize, and I, I've said this a million times, so it's not like I'm breaking news here. Mm-hmm. If Arian Martell was in the show, the whole Sand Snake storyline wouldn't have even been necessary. That's true. Which wouldn't have, which means it wouldn't have been so awful. I mean, yeah. I can just go there because it's let's face it, it, it was didn't awful. Play out well, yeah, it didn't play out at all. It was this weird moment of like, let's not show, let's show like the betrayal of the men. Yeah. Uh, when it's the irony of like, no, it's supposed to be Aria Martell. Like there's not supposed to be yeah. this female anger towards men in Dorne. Yeah, like, yeah. That's not, that doesn't exist in Dorne because Aria Martell Correct. is ruling uh, yeah. or, or potentially or Potentially ruling. we're trying to get uh, 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 next in line. Marcel on the throne. Yeah. And it's this idea of like the anger that this never will a man betray us again. Or like yeah. this idea of like this weird that didn't come off well at all because I was like, oh, is this supposed to be like this female empowerment moment? Because. Right, These right. girls just kind of suck. Right. It, it, <laughs> like, it, it, you guys suck. It, 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 didn't, it didn't work out. It yeah. didn't work out. Uh, I will. And even though I love the characters in the books, you know, and a lot of it, too, was like, you know, Red Viper goes. And, yeah. you know, even having by this point, I'd read the books. I read book four. And I was like telling my friend, oh, get ready for the Sand Snakes. Get ready. And then it was like, I mean, maybe next year. Yeah. <laughs> It was pretty rough, man. And it's hey, nothing on the performers. It did what was done. And I think they're all fascinating. Performers, yeah, I mean, I mean shout out just, to Jessica Henwick. Yeah, uh, what's her? She is in the just, Force Awakens. Just Pava. Yeah, just Pava. Yeah, yeah, that's her name. I was gonna say, what's her name again? Yeah, um, yeah, yep. she's in a, a Game of Thrones and Keisha Castle. He's like a lot of, yeah, um, the Tyene Sand, the young one. Uh, yeah, and then Obara was uh, Obara, I forget yeah. her name. Yeah, uh, but she was great. Yeah, they were all great. So hey, you know. In Ace's Game of Thrones, we'd fix that. I, I that definitely back. would fix that. <laughs> uh, a lot of any other deleted scenes that jump out that you know about. There's a lot out there in each season. I just finally got the A season eight Blu-ray. What do you are you doing a rewatch anytime soon? Uh, yeah, I will eventually. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because right now I'm in my movie rewatch. Yeah, end of the year four. I'm, yeah, I'm, we just talked about Witcher. I got to mm. do Witcher. There's a couple of shows I'll catch up. Man, I've been four. Catching up, yeah, I've been catching up on music documentaries. I've been with the Echo yeah. in the Canyon, uh, the History of the Eagles. Uh, Clone John Wars and Yoko. for me is another one. Clone Wars, you got to get uh, oh, We got to get ready for that. Yeah, there's a lot of episodes in Clone so, Wars. So it's a hard life. It hard is. life, my friend. 
<laughs> Hard life. Uh, we're almost out of here, man, but uh, good stuff. Uh, thanks for the call, Eric. And if you've got a call out there, you can just reach out through uh, Anchor. you got 59 seconds. Leave us a thought starter, a question, and uh, we will start getting ready for House of the Dragon. But also looking back, uh, we uh, we did our... Uh, we did our Stannis look, you and I. No, we did our, excuse me. That's, see, I'm always thinking Stannis. You and I looked at Tywin a little closer. We're going to be looking at some other characters. Bring Ace in for that when we can, as schedule permitting, as Casterly Talk rolls on. We're almost out of here. But I want you all to really, really follow Andres Cabrera on his wonderful adventures through media discussion. Tell them where they can find you. Tell them what you're doing because you and I, we're on a show together. Collider Jedi Council. I was so happy to bring you in. We were going to be talking Star Wars and it was whisked away. <laughs> we're going to find a way to do it otherwise, but you've got a lot of stuff you're working on. on your yeah. Uh, so go follow, especially my YouTube channel. It's First Cut. Uh, you can put First Cut movies. You can put First Cut, the meaning of, and, and, and it'll show up eventually mm-hmm. through a couple <laughs> well, yeah. pages. Yeah. You'll find it, but it's called First Cut. You can find my podcast on there, which is called The Meaning of. I do it with my co-host, RB3. Uh, and my other co-host, Sabrina, uh, we talk about movies. It's mainly kind of director centered, but we also do like reactions of like Oscar nominees or like movie reviews, mm. independent movies. It, it's very much like a film centered podcast. Yeah. It's less towards the uh, sci-fi fantasy blockbuster sure. type, but it's, it's, a, it's an interesting podcast, which different perspectives, but it's my own and. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoy anything I've ever said, go check it out. Uh, and then obviously on Twitter and Instagram at Squad Leader Ace. Squad Leader Ace. Follow him. Follow me at Ken Napsock. Go to KenNapsock.com for information on upcoming live comedy shows, live events, working on some things, and a bunch of the shows I do. Baseball season's around the corner. My show. Dude, baseball's popping uh, right now. It's popping <laughs> behind the bag. I'm watching SportsCenter, and that's yeah, all they're yeah, talking about. And I'm like, what's going on? It's, I want to see my NBA coverage. A lot <laughs> of stuff going on. Uh, me and Dagnino got uh, behind the bag on the Napsock Files podcast nice. feed, but that's going to break out be its own podcast feed soon and i have my weekly baseball columns at flagged sports that's it for now game of thrones there's so much more to talk about in this world of ice and fire and i'm glad all of you are here along for the ride we'll see you next time bye